fresh muffins hot out of the oven. Welcome back everyone, Enlisted Craftsman once again. Today it's myself and the Muffin Man, and we are at the Texas Select show from Forge and Fire, a show put on by Cowboy and his wife Eilina of Phoenix Knives, and it's a, been a great show so far. For me, it's been good. How's it been for you, Mike? Uh, not too bad. I went ahead and sold a couple pieces. Uh, the YouTube giveaway is, is really uh, getting some steam, and I've met a lot of great people. Texas has been uh, super welcoming. Awesome. Well, so what we're actually going to do here is we're going to try and do as many little quick, short interviews with other makers and that we can. We're going to kind of do, call it like a rapid-fire thing. We've never done this before, but it ought to be fun. So... Shortly, you'll hear from several different makers. All right, we're here with Deke Parker. Deke, uh, how's the show been for you so far? Man, the show's been great. Get to see all of my friends. The crowd's been pretty good so far. Uh, looks like it's picking up for today. Where are you from, Deke? I'm from Elkhart, Kansas. Okay. What uh, what kind of knives you make? What kind of stuff do you do? Man, I, I love making Bowie knives. I make a lot of... I call them American-style hunters and Bowie knives. I do some chefs. I'm, I'm a Damascus freak. I love doing everything out of Damascus. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. Awesome. And how can people uh, look at your work and get a hold of you? Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Parker Knives, LLC, on both. Uh, that's, that's where I take orders, and you can see most of my recent projects and all that. All right. Well, thanks for the interview, Deke. Yeah, thank you. All right, uh, Mr. Alex. Yes. Go, uh, Alex Ruiz. Okay, so uh, where are you from, Alex? San Antonio, Texas. And what kind of stuff do you make? Uh, I make a lot of EDCs, uh, more, but more especially uh, integrals. I'm really, 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 really big on doing integrals. Awesome. So, uh, did you do your JS test today or this weekend? I or? did my JS performance test this after, this morning before the crowds really got going, so took it with Ray Kirk. Um, I stopped breathing about the time I started bending that knife, so I almost passed out, probably farting. I don't know, it was terrifying. But you did pass, though, I did right? pass, yeah. Awesome. There awesome. you go. So uh, how can... Where were you from again? San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And how can people get a hold of you? You can find me at Volander Forge. Uh, just type in V-O-L-U-N-D-R underscore Forge on Instagram, and you'll find me there. Uh, you can even just type in J Alex Ruiz, uh, R-U-I-Z, and, and J, it's just J dot, and then Alex Ruiz. And you type that in, add Bladesmith or Blacksmith, and you'll, just, you'll find anything leading towards me. Awesome. How's the show been for you so far? It's been okay. It's been pretty interesting seeing how all these people... Uh, it's a different crowd to from my normal kind of show, like Blade Show and everything. But it's uh, this one's more family oriented. I'm seeing a lot more families and just collectors. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun for sure. Well, thank you, Alex, for the interview. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. 
All right, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's your name? Oh, well, I'm Pat Biggin. I own Howling Wolf Knife Works out of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I did Knife or Death Season 1, Episode 1, and Forge and Fire Season 7, Episode 11. Awesome. So how was Knife or Death compared to Forge and Fire? Was it more fun, less fun? Uh, it's a different kind of fun. Knife or Death, you were able to bring your own knife that you made and thrash on it and cut a bunch of different objects, uh, posts, big buckets of gravel, buckets of sand, uh, hanging that? chicken and fish, whole bunch of destructive objects that you normally wouldn't get to play with and uh, see how you stack up on your time against the other makers. Forge and Fire, you got to make everything and have fun actually doing the process. So, I mean, both were fun in their own way. Awesome. So, where are you from again? Uh, I'm from Elkhorn, Wisconsin, okay. kind of center of the state. And how can people get a hold of you and see your work? Uh, Facebook and Instagram mostly. Just search Howling Wolf Knife Works. I've got the flaming Howling Wolf head on my profile. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for the interview. Oh, yeah. No problem. All right, next up, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm James Hughes II, uh, Forge and Fire Champion, Season 4, Episode 10. And uh, what kind of knives do you make, James? I like to make I like to make uh, mainly an EDC style, utility style, you know, four, three to four inch blades. You know, some large hunters, not much. Okay. Oh, how many years have you been coming to this show? This show I've been coming here ever since it's 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 first show. It's this is the fourth show out of five years. Of course, 2020 was canceled because of the event, but I've come here every year. And it it, I mean, I've only been here two years, but it's grown in size dramatically in just those two years. So yeah, every every year it it has at least doubled in size every year. Okay, well, so how can people look at your work and and get a hold of you? You can see my work. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is Hughes Knives. That's H U S E underscore the word knives, K N I V S. Or you can email me at Hughes Knives at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, James. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, here with Mr. Jim Cooper, well known knife photographer. Jim, uh, what do you think of this show so far? I am so impressed. Uh, the the energy at this show surpasses anything that I've uh, encountered, and I've been to some great shows. But uh, out back, there's um, cutting competition. There's the forging going on. The smells, the sounds, and uh, the Texas clientele, the makers, and the people are just uh, they just love our our craft. I'm very impressed. Awesome. So real quick, I've always been curious about this actually. How did you get started being only a knife, like taking being a full-time knife photographer? How, what got you into taking pictures of knives? That's a great question. Um, I was a motorcycle racer years ago, so mm -hmm. I have competition in my in my blood. And when I started collecting custom knives, I was on a forum and they had a photography forum which had a weekly contest. And I started entering this contest and I got my butt kicked week after week and you know if you're competitive you go what's it going to take to win this thing and i learned the skills and the tools that you needed to to finally win i got the sympathy vote and i and i won a contest but from then on in all of a sudden my interest was not only in knives but in photographing knives so it paralleled but i gotta say that competitive instinct in me was what propelled me to to do better that's really cool really cool story 
Oh, I, I would think knives would be one of the hardest things just to take pictures of because of all the reflections and all the challenges. And you're right. My son is uh, 19. He's won a number of uh, photo contests with his cell phone. He's a much better photographer. With his cell phone. With his cell phone. <laughs> He's a much better photographer than I am in anything but knives. I'm pretty darn good with knives. I've done it 20 years. I've done my 10,000 hours. Um, but it is specialized by all by every measure. How many knives do you think you've you've photographed in your career? Over fifteen thousand, because I have that many images on my uh, on my saved on my computer. Wow, awesome! So, where are you located out of? Um, Norwalk, Connecticut, is up in the Northeast. We're about we're about an, almost an hour away from uh, New York City, and we're right near the Forged in Fire. Um, studios. So anybody that's in the Fortune Fire Studios, if they get a gift up there, that's where my photos originate. Awesome. And so how can people contact you for a photo of a knife or, or see your work? Uh, easily enough. Sharp by Coop is my uh, business name, photography, but sharpbycoop.com. And, um, and by all means, I have a contact page there. And I'll be at Blade. I will be at... Um, I was just at Blade Show Texas. Here I am at Texas Select event. Uh, I, I just love our craft, but by all means, reach out to me on my website, and I'll be glad to answer any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Jim. Thank you, Ethan. Great talking to you. All right, sir, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Jason Coy. I was uh, on Fortune Fire Season 8, Episode 32 or 33, depending on what you look at. It's the Judges Takeover, Doug Markaida. Awesome. So a relatively recent one. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, uh, we it aired at the end of last year. So where are you out of? I'm out of Squires, Missouri. Oh, Missouri. That, that's right. We talked about that. I remember now. Oh, what kind of knives do you make? What kind of stuff do you like making? Um, I make a lot of uh, chef knives. I like making kitchen knives. Um I like making knives that people use a lot of every day, and so kitchen and boning knives for uh, quartering out deer and harvesting animals, stuff like that. Awesome. So you you say you use a you make a knife that is you want people to use. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. So uh, all right. Well, how can people get a hold of you? How can people see your work? How can they contact you if they want a knife? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, it's Jason Coy Knives on Instagram and JasonCoyKnives.com. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you. All right. So now we're here with Miss Chevy Robertson. Okay. So, uh, what brought you to the show, Chevy? Uh, John Stokes brought me to the show. Um, he's done a bunch of uh, shows and exhibitions and stuff like that. This is my first time. Okay. So I really enjoyed the exhibition between you and him this morning. I was looking forward to that because I've been following you for a while, and I was like, "You're going up against Ethan." He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "I'm." I'm getting someone to watch the table. I want to see this. <laughs> well, oh, so are you a maker, collector? Uh, I'm a maker. Uh, I was actually on this past season, uh, Sand My Mystery. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I got beat by Santa Claus. He's over at a table over there. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, well, uh, where are you out of? Uh, Guyton, Georgia. Georgia, okay. Man, people come a long ways away for, for this little Texas knife show, and it's not really so little anymore. Have you ever been here before? No, this is my first exhibition, my first show, my first everything. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, what kind of knives do you make? Um, I specialize in the skinners and the hunters and the kitchen knives, but I have done a few choppers. I think the 
The biggest one I did was a 15-inch cutting-edge machete for a, a, a wedding. I've done, I've, a done wedding. Quite, I've done quite a few knives for wedding gifts. It's weird. You made it like the machete was a wedding gift? Yeah, I... You know, I'm I'm really bad at shopping for brides because I just I don't know what to get. And this girl had like three of everything already, and people were buying stuff for her, and they were just going gushing over like I don't know kitchen appliances. I don't know how to shop for that stuff. So I was like, well, what kind of yard equipment does you know does your your fiance have? And she's like, oh, he's got everything. I'm like, does he have a machete? She's like, no, he doesn't have one of those. I'm like, well, I've never done that either. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. That is that is definitely an interesting wedding present story. I like it though. He went nuts for it, and I mean, he uh, chopped down everything that was on his 10 acres, and then he started loaning it to his friends, and I'm like, look, I want you to chop down branches, and then chop down brush and make sure it's still got an edge, and if it doesn't bring it back to me, I, I haven't heard from him, that was two years ago, they have a kid now and everything, no trees in the yard. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people see your work and uh, get a hold of you? Um, I'm on Instagram. I only use my Instagram account for just the knives, so I don't have like my kids' pictures or memes or videos or anything. Uh, it's at uh, Lady Spike Designs on Instagram. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Chevy. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the the show. <laughs> oh, I already have. <laughs> Thanks. All right, sir. Go ahead and introduce yourself. What's going on, guys? My name is Brandon Heiner. I am from Long Island, New York, recently moved to Connecticut, 24 years old, and I am a recent champion from Forged in Fire, Season 8, Episode 39. Awesome. So what got you into making knives? So actually, believe it or not, the show got me into making knives. Um, I actually started watching the show right when it came out. Um, I watched some YouTube videos as well. Alex Steele was also a very big inspiration to me to get started on knife making. I had a family friend who decided to make a primitive coal forge and invited me over one day to try it out. I enjoyed it so much that I kept doing it. Cool, so what kind of knives you make? So I primarily do custom work. Um, I don't really have a, a niche or a style yet. I do a lot of smaller EDC style knives and lately I've also been doing a lot of kitchen stuff. Awesome, so how can people get a hold of you and see your work? So if you're interested in seeing my work, my main social media accounts are on Instagram at bh underscore knife underscore co. I'm also going to be starting a YouTube channel, which is also under BH Knife Co., or my full name, Brandon Heiner. And then I'm also out on Facebook under my name, Brandon Heiner. Very cool. Thank you for the interview, Brandon. Thanks, guys. All right, so Mr. John Stokes, go ahead and uh, tell, tell me a little bit about the knives you make, where you're from. Uh, I'm John Stokes. I typically make like hunting knives, bowie knives, uh, I make decorative uh, Damascus sometimes uh, when the order comes for it. I've been making knives for eight years now, and I thought I knew everything in the world until I went on Fortune Fire, and I realized that there were smiths that knew a lot more than me. But uh, it's just fun stuff. I do this as a hobby. Okay, awesome. Oh, what got you into making knives? Whenever I was in welding school, the... Uh, teacher that I had actually was more of a blacksmith than a welder and I took the welding pretty quickly so I'd, I'd still have to show up at the end of class for uh, for cleanup, for attendance essentially and he ended up bringing in a bucket of railroad spikes and a forge and like he like tried doing this, uh, stop wasting your time sweeping, do this and I went home and built a coal forge that day and took off from there. Okay, awesome. 
So how can people see the work you do and get a hold of you? I have a Facebook and an Instagram. My Facebook is Stokes Blade, and my Instagram is Stokes Blades uh, 13. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, John. Nice talking to you. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. All right, we are now here with Mr. Bert Flanagan. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Oh, so Bert, you are a slip joint maker and you're a rep for Paragon, correct? That is correct. Um, I've been making knives about eight years. Um, my knife making, my knife making actually got landed me the job with Paragon. Um, just come to find out, I happened to go to college uh, with the president of Paragon years ago, and, and uh, one thing led to another, and I taught a class on knives down at Tarleton State University, where we both went to college at. Uh, we kind of met back up again, and a um, few years later, here I am. Uh, you know, I've, I've been very blessed to uh, to make learn how to make slip joints from Bill Rupel, and uh, he... Uh, he helped me along and became a member of the Slip Joint Cartel, and now I'm a, I am the knife industry manager for Paragon Industries. And we're in Mesquite. We um, we ship we ship a thousand ovens a month. Oh wow! Yeah, it's amazing. Our target is fifty thousand dollars worth of kilns a day. So the knife making part of it only probably only accounts for about fifteen to twenty percent of the ovens that we actually manufacture. Wow, that's awesome. You know, so I actually have a Paragon oven myself. I've got the Pro Series, the three-zone thing. And, I mean, it truly blows my mind that I can bring an oven to 1,400 degrees in nine minutes. It is. I mean, it is just unbelievable. When when Todd first uh, introduced me to the the Pro Series oven and I I got one, I I could not believe it. If I plugged the thing in, it went to 1,000 degrees in six minutes, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, is this even possible? Is it is accurate? It, I, I doubt it. So, I, so is it's it real? Is it the insulation on it that does it? That's what so it, crucial what it to is, it. Um, normally, most kilns, like your ceramic kilns and things, are made out of brick with a channel in it where an element actually runs through the channel. So the element heats up like a blow dryer, if you will, and the element actually warms the brick up. Okay, and that brick retains heat for a long time. The Pro Series oven are made of a slurry mixture that you might think of as uh, like fiberglass and ceramic mixed together. Um, so it's that's a cast not of, that's not all that's in it, but but it's a cast. But, but it's type a cast, of. and the elements are cast in the walls of the oven, so they're only thirty percent exposed. So I know that we have manufactured them for the last at least five years, and we have yet to replace an element in a Pro Series oven. They just don't oxidize, and so they're very, very doable, but the whole wall heats up rather than just the coil heating up, so that's what makes them extremely fast. They heat fast and they cool fast. And I'll tell you another thing that actually amazed me about mine is when I was looking to order it, I was asking uh, one of the guys, like, you know, because I actually have three-phase power in my shop, and I was asking him, like, you know, 
I, I could obviously three phase is more efficient, but single phase where I'm putting it, I've already got the power there. And he said, yeah, you really won't see much of a difference. And I'll tell you what, you really don't. No, you and, don't. And like, I can't tell my electric bills really went up that much. Yeah, and see, so this little model that I'm, we're sitting here by the table looking at, uh, it's a double wide nine inch pro series. It has one single thermocouple. And the thing only pulls nine amps. That's it. It's 220, but it only pulls 9 amps. It's extremely efficient. That's crazy. And I never noticed any difference in my shop electric bill at all. None. Yeah. And I mean, when I first got it, I ran it all the time. I was trying to heat treat everything I could find because I just couldn't believe how fast it was. Right. That's anyway. awesome. But it cut my heat treating time in half when I went from a 110, um, 110 version of, an, of a brick in a conventional brick oven. Uh, it took an hour and 15 minutes to heat up. And like like you said, this one took you know, 17. So it cut my heat treating time in half. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, you can, you can actually produce more knives. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so besides heat treat ovens, you also, uh, you guys also uh, The Outlaw grinders. grinders. We sell the Outlaw Grinders. Um, it is an absolute Cadillac. Um, it is the smoothest, quietest grinder that I've ever come across and I've used a lot of different grinders um, we I, I happen to be friends with Matt Humphreys who designed the Outlaw Grinder before I ever worked for Paragon so we've been friends with a pretty good while well Matt is way out in West Texas he's an incredible bit and spur maker what a talented guy an engraver and everything else but he made these and designed these grinders and so his problem was is he could not get them shipped way out in West Texas. They're just and at Paragon we have freight trucks coming in daily. You know, awesome. I mean all day long we have freight trucks. So it just made sense. So we partnered up. He still makes all the parts and we do all the assembly and the testing, calibration, everything of every machine. Every machine comes completely wired, completely tested ready to plug in and go. Awesome. So how can uh, people get a hold of, or, or see your work, see the Paragon? Um, I, right now, I, I am currently working on a website being put together. I am a member of the Knife Makers Guild of America. I just got elected on the board of directors. And you can see my work at the Knife Makers Guild um, dot com and look up voting members and look up my name, Bert Flanagan. There's a lot of my, there's my bio and a lot of pictures of knives. My knives are on there. Um, Facebook, uh, Burt Flanagan Custom Knives, um, and ParagonWeb.com. That has all of our products. We are under, that's www.ParagonWeb.com. Uh, you can see all of our products, whether that be ceramics or glass blowing or uh, dental burnout, jeweler burnout, um, ceramic kilns, knife making kilns, grinders, everything that we see. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Bernie. Thank great you. Talking thank to you. you very good to talk to you. Thank you. Enlisted Craftsman is sponsored by Rock Rooster Footwear. Mike, Garrett, and I all three have Rock Rooster boots, and I wear mine every day. They are very comfortable out of the box, and you order them online, they show up in just a couple of days. And for the price, you really can't beat them. 
And if you are interested in ordering a pair of boots, be sure to use our discount code. That is ENLISTED15. Again, that's ENLISTED15 at the end. Also, if you like what you're hearing, right now, pick up your phone. Please give us a rating on Spotify, whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. We really appreciate it. And also, if you're interested in donating to us, we have a Patreon account now. It is called Enlisted Craftsman. And the great thing about our Patreon account is that half of everything we make gets donated to a veteran organization of some sort. We haven't figured out which one we're going to donate this year to, but half of everything we get is going to go to a good cause to benefit veterans. Enlisted Craftsman is also sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply, the Louisiana Custom Knife Show, and the Scooter Brown Band. All right, this is Mike here taking over the controls. I'm here with Brian Evelich of Evelich Metal <coughs> Evelich Metalworks. Hey, Brian, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Why don't you give our audience a little bit of background about yourself, who you are, where you're from? Well, uh, my name is Brian Evelich. I currently live in Wolcott, Connecticut. Been there 32 years. Grew up in New Jersey. So uh, sharp items was something in part of my childhood. Um, went in the service, did four years in the Navy, and then 20 years in law enforcement, and 10 years as a missionary. So knife making was something to uh, break up my day, and it's just grown into what I currently now do full time. Great, great. And I understand you're doing a lot of uh, charitable work and causes for veterans as well. Yeah, so I, I do uh, lots of church groups, uh, father-son groups, those kinds of activities, and I have a free program for uh, at-risk youth and P- veterans uh, struggling with PTSD. They come out and uh, they create something in a timeline that I tell them is a little longer so that they're done before they realize it, just so that they actually have a success to take home with them. And uh, it's gained a little bit of traction. I'm, I'm really glad to see that it's had some positive influence. And two of the guys who came through are now full-time apprenticing at my shop. Oh, man, that's great. All right, so as far as your work goes, uh, what, what do you think you uh, enjoy most making, or what are you best known for? Uh, well, I'm, I'm best known for simple everyday carry. Connecticut, where I'm from, has a very short carry limit. So uh, to stay legal, they have to be under four edge, inches of sharpened edge. But uh, right now, making Damascus 240 layer or up is really where my passion is. Um, I've moved away from simple knives. Everything's guarded or bolstered now. Just to have a little bit better fit and finish. Yeah, yeah. Fit and finish is, uh, is definitely where I'm really trying to grow up, so to speak, and, uh, and refine that work. Uh, nice, clean work is what I strive for. Um, uh, how about a little bit about your Forge and Fire experience? So I was uh, the runner-up for Season 6, Episode 5, the Hussar Saber. Uh, the decision came down to the wire because um, my opponent's sword actually couldn't cut the final cut test, but David Baker scratched his knuckle on my hilt. So it came down to the injury of the user overrode the uh, sharpness component, and uh, I finished second in that. Um, but it was a blast. It was only about an hour and a half drive from my house, so they asked me if I wanted to commute daily, and I asked if they were uh, on some sort of substances. There's no way I wanted to deal with Connecticut traffic and then go compete. Uh, but it was a blast. I think I speak for every Connecticut out there when I say that the Merrick Parkway is a nightmare we don't want to relive. And Yeah, and there's no alternative. 95 is a horrible uh, alternative as well. So. Yeah. But, 
All right, great. Well, uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can look up your work, and uh, maybe get a hold of you if they need to. Well, I, so uh, it's Brian Evelich, E-V-E-L-I-C-H. My website is com, all spelled out. Uh, or you can go to faithandfireforge.com. Uh, that's my old shop name before I formed an LLC. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. They can look me up and get links directly to me there or call directly at 203-578-5480. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, thanks for your time. All right. Now we have a very special guest. We kind of know this guy. (laughs) I've never seen this guy before in my life. Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. Here we go. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, my name is Furman Lopez. I was season six, episode 10, military army uh, finalist. And I'm from North Carolina, originally from Puerto Rico. And I still don't know who these two guys are here. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was lucky enough to be called back in 2021, where that's where, again, these two Thundercats, uh, we became really good friends. So for everybody that doesn't know, Furman won the episode that, or the series really, that myself, Mike, and Garrett all were on. So he's a special friend to us, other than the fact that he won, you know, the episode. But, you know, we can get over that. So uh, Furman, why don't you tell everybody how you got your start making knives? Well, um, that's a really good question. I get asked a lot. Um, I was in the military. I was 15 years. I was a medic. I got deployed to Iraq. And when I came back, I had really bad PTSD, and I needed something to get my mind off it. Um, I was put on several medications. And one day, I went online, and I saw this kid making a knife, and I was like, you know what? Let me try that out, because everybody needs a knife. And I did, and that was completely a game changer. Um, within a couple of months, I was off my medications. I was back in, you know, back on the saddle. And ever since, it's my PTSD is, is very rare. And it's uh, it's been a blessing. Yeah, I think for I think we speak for all military veterans out there when we say that uh, the hobby itself can be really therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a common theme I've been yeah I've yeah. been hearing a lot. Absolutely, yep. So yeah. and I mean I currently work at the VA hospital in North Carolina, and I see this firsthand with a lot of the veterans. And I, I mean I I bring them to my shop and I say, hey, you know, this is how I cope with the PTSD. Let me teach you so you can help. And most of them, they take on to the trade and they enjoy it. I mean, they don't keep on with it, but they say, hey, this is giving me the peace that I've been looking for. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So uh, how about a little bit about your business name? I think people want to know some some insights to that name and that that, uh, emblem. Um, let's see. Uh, the name is Taino Custom Knives. The Taino is the indigenous Indian from Puerto Rico. And my maker's mark is actually a frog called the Coqui. The Coqui only lives in Puerto Rico. And if you take it out of Puerto Rico, unfortunately, it doesn't survive. So it's unique to Puerto Rico, just like the Taino Indian. And like my product, again, I don't mean to brag, but it's unique and different. So that's why I picked the name and the frog, pretty much. <laughs> awesome. So how can people see your work, get a hold of you, all that kind of thing? Absolutely. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, YouTube. Um, so it's uh, Taino Custom Knives. You can find me, like I, again, you can find me by my name or the, the business. And it's on uh, 
on all those social media. Awesome. Well, Furman, thanks for the interview, and it's great seeing you. And always, uh, the energy always still amazes <laughs> yeah. me. Well, you know how that goes, man. Whippa! What, what does that mean, by the way? Whippa is a Puerto Rican slang that when you're excited and you're having fun, it's like saying, uh, like, yeehaw in Texas. You know, <laughs> in, here in Texas, it's a yeehaw. You know, well, in Puerto Rico, it's a whippa! <laughs> I got you. Cool, awesome. man. We'll hey, see you guys, later. I really appreciate everything that you guys have done. Again, I couldn't ask for better friends. Thanks. Appreciate it. You too, man. Same here. All right. So we are here with the owners of TTP to the point. Y'all are a knife supply company, correct? That's right. We're actually, we, we are a knife supply company, but we also are a sharpening shop, sharpening blades of all kinds. Um, and we sell knife making supplies and we teach knife making classes. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. We do. Um, we offer uh, different kinds of classes, tool making, knife making, sharpening classes, um, lots of one-on-ones as well, if that's something that somebody's interested in. So are you all knife makers and then you kind of got into the supply business or how did that happen? No, actually I started sharpening knives about five and a half, six years ago, uh, actually with a work sharp sharpener tool um, and uh, a tool sharpener. and. So, so uh, we started. Char- I started sharpening off the back of a motorcycle as we were traveling, uh, basically the country in an RV. And uh, the next thing you know, we turned into sharpening this and sharpening that. So we sharpen a variety of things, and yeah, we do not make knives though. We don't. Yeah. So our classes that are taught are taught by. We can sign knives in our shop. So the classes that are taught are taught by several of the knife makers whose work we actually have in our shop. Okay. So where's your shop located? We are located downtown Elgin, Texas, right on Main Street. Okay. Oh, uh, and what are the what's some of the supplies you all sell? Well, gosh, we sell a variety. We sell um, grinder belts. We have hammers and tongs, um, knife scales, Ameribrade grinder, multi-tool grinders, um, kilns. Um, yeah, so quite a variety. Awesome. So, how can people find out about your business and get a hold of you? We have a website. Uh, ttpsharp.com as well as our social media on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Uh, come on into the shop. I'm there Monday, or I'm sorry, we're in the shop Tuesday through Friday 10 to 6, Saturdays till 3 o'clock. Awesome. Well, thank you all very much. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. And what are y'all's names? My name is Tana. And I'm Grizz, and we're to the point. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. All right, I'm here with my friend, Mr. Randy Caston. Randy, where are you located out of? In Southwest Mississippi, Liberty, Mississippi, just uh, north of Louisiana line, Clinton, about 20 miles. Okay, so what kind of knives do you make? Mostly hunters, uh, fighters, hunters, mostly skinners, little small carry knives, anything that you can uh, use. Gotcha. So what got you started making knives? Uh, a couple years ago, I got to watching the show Forge and Far and decided if that was something I wanted to do, so I kind of picked up the uh, craft of building knives, and uh, I was a farrier for about 15 years, so it, you know, I'd moved metal before. Okay, gotcha. So you got into making knives from watching the show, watching then later the show. on you went and got on an episode and you, and right. you ended up winning Se- your episode. Season 6, episode 16, I was uh, lucky enough to win it against some good talent and uh, it kind of boomed from there. Very cool. 
So how can, uh, well, actually, first, you have an event coming up uh, in Liberty, Mississippi here pretty soon, right? And first event I've got is in uh, the James Black School in Hope, Arkansas. Uh, we will have 25 exhibitors there and uh, all about the James Black School. And James Black is supposedly one that started the buoy and made it for Jim Bowie. And then May the 8th is the uh, Liberty Heritage Days, and uh, we've got about six or eight foraging fire folks that's going to be there. And it's free admission, and it'll be some demonstrations and all that. Okay, awesome. So how can people see your work and get a hold of you? Uh, you can go online. Uh, i got a website of castoncustomblades.com. Or just go to Randy Caston on Facebook and Instagram, and you can pull up. And my phone number and email is on the site. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Randy. Thank you. All right, so Mr. Johnny Stout is who I'm sitting with currently. Uh, Johnny, what kind of knives do you make? Well, I'm, primarily I'm into folders. Uh, I started out like most people. I made fixed plates. Um, got into uh, slip joint pocket knives for a long time and evolved into liner locks and automatics and uh, that's pretty much what people want from me these days uh, but I'm a full time maker and have been for a lot of years so you know just kind of depends on the market and what's selling and you know what people are wanting to have built so do you notice that over time, the knife market kind of seems to go in waves and fads come in and go? Do you notice that? I think probably I do notice it. Uh, today, the, what I call the tactical market is really, really strong. By that, I mean a, a knife that, well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to describe it. The tacticals, but uh, I think most people understand what I'm talking about. That is very, very strong, and a lot of younger folks are getting into it because of that. I think you know they get a lot of uh, different publications featuring the tacticals. So, uh, what do you see different about the knife market today that you didn't really notice? back then besides the tactical thing? Uh, probably the, the, the volume of folder makers that there are today. Normally, everyone I've known, they start out making fixed blade knives, you know. And uh, the folder market today, I think, is strong, strong, strong. But that has evolved from fixed blades to folders, I think, over the years, you know. Okay. Materials that are available to us now that weren't always, you know. Uh, you can normally always buy a bar of steel and make fixed blades out of it. Now you buy the specialty type stuff for folders. So, so what, uh, when, what year did you start making knives full time? Uh, probably in the late 80s, somewhere back in there. And before that, it was, I had a real job like most people, and it was just a hobby, you know, weekend stuff, and, and did that for 
several years, and then I was fortunate enough I was able to go full-time and have been doing it ever since. Awesome. So mid-80s. Wow. That, that, how many full-time makers do you think there were back in the 80s? Like, if you were just to, to take a guess, like, yeah, percentage uh, of knife makers that you knew that, you know, were at Blade Show every year, how many you think were full-time? Oh, full-time, maybe. If it was 10%, that might even be a high figure. Oh, wow. Very, very, very few. Exactly, because uh, I don't know that the knife, the, the knife was an industry back then like it is today. There were, you know, they there were industries that made knives, but as far as the what I'm talking about, the shows, I think most people were part time makers. Wow! You know, just more. knives wouldn't support a family. So really. you, so you've seen kind of as you've really probably seen a lot of, of as the tools and the materials and all that just evolved over the years, like. People like me probably don't know how hard it was back then. I mean, it it has, it really has, and uh, the variety of materials that we have available to us now, not only in metal, blade uh, steel, there was maybe one or two that were predominantly used. You know, O forty C and something along that line. Now you go to any vendor that sells knife making equipment then he may have 10 or 15 20 different type steels on his table you know wow and the same with the variety of handle materials you know from from uh to stabilized wood uh horn uh ivory i mean it just goes on and on and on and on and on that's interesting Wow, it always amazes me. Oh, I don't know if you know a guy that taught me. His name is Corbin Newcomb. I've heard the name. I don't know him personally. Yeah, well, he used to tell me about how it was back in the 70s. And, like, you know, there was no information about how to make Damascus. He ended up getting a hold of Bill Moran, and that's how he figured out how. And, yeah. like, you know, he said there was a few other people out there doing it, but they never really told him much. Right. And he said that, you know, so that's really interesting. Oh, so how can people uh, find you, get a hold of you, uh, see your work? Well, I have a website like most folks. It's Johnny Stout, and you can find me there on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my website is stoutknives.com. My email is johnny at stoutknives.com. Uh, you know, you can contact me many different ways uh, I don't give out my phone number but it's on my website so, yeah you know I'm easy to find yeah awesome well thank you Johnny it right. was really interesting talking to appreciate you appreciate it alright I'm now here with Mr. Alan Kirby Alan hello how are you Ethan I'm great we have a table really close to each other as it we turns do. out we do <laughs> so Alan uh, what got you into making knives you know, I've always been a fan of blades. I think I bought my first survival knife uh, from the county fair uh, when I was about eight years old, and I've, I've loved them ever since. Uh, my grandfather was a blacksmith, and so kind of following in those footsteps, I was interested to give it a try. Um, I actually started as a ceramic artist. Oh, wow. Uh, 16 years throwing pottery and decided I was ready for a new medium and found that in steel. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so where are you located? 
I'm located in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Okay. Oh, and what kind of knives do you make typically? Uh, I, I make a lot of kitchen knives, a lot of tableware. Uh, I enjoy putting the art component into it. Uh, you know, the, probably my favorite types of blades uh, would be Damascus. Making Damascus is my favorite part of forging. So explain that interesting kitchen knife that I really like <laughs> that you made. Because I want to replicate, I'm not going to replicate it completely, but I'm going to go do something very similar to it. Explain kind of how you came up with that design. Sure. Uh, it's a it's a Nikiri, Japanese Nikiri-based design uh, for the blunt nose. It has a really heavy S-grind in it uh, to help food release. Uh, but I wanted a, a little bit shorter overall length, something that could fit into the silverware drawer. Uh, so by taking the uh, edge, the eight inch edge, and kind of compressing it back over the handle, it almost acts like a knuckle guard from the cutting board, uh, but it gives it a you know an eight inch edge with just an 11 inch overall length. Okay, awesome. I, I really think it's an interesting shape knife. I liked it. Oh, where can people see a picture of it that you have or, or see your other work? You bet. Uh, on Instagram or Facebook, look up Coconut Empire Forge. How in the world did you come up with that name? <laughs> I'm a big fan of saltwater and palm trees. Uh, I always have been. And uh, I travel quite a bit to the Florida and to the Caribbean uh, for my day job. I work for an education company. And uh, so I'm, I'm in that territory a lot. Uh, in my logo, you'll see two palm trees. There's one for myself and one for my wife. And then there's five coconuts because we have five kids. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the anvil there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Alan, for your little introduction. And uh, I'll be seeing you in another show sometime. Sounds great. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. So I'm here with Mr. Scott Thomas now. Scott, uh, where are you located? I'm out of Bella Vista, California, which is way up in the northern part of the state, about two hours south of the Oregon border. And so what Forged and Fire episodes were you on? Uh, I was in the early ones, Season 2, Episode 3, and then Season 3, Episode 11. Okay, awesome. Yeah. What got you into making knives? Uh, well, I started off as a farrier back in the uh, back in the 90s, and I did that because I liked the blacksmithing. And I actually started off blacksmithing first, so horseshoeing, doing creative blacksmithing and such. And then after a while, the, the knives just kind of fell right in line with that. I started making historical pieces for reenactment groups, spearheads and such, and then they wanted knives that were part of their historical uh, demonstrations and such. So that got me going with all the sharp po pokey parts, and uh, of course it's pretty addictive, and I just kind of went from there. So I still do general blacksmithing, and I just retired from shoeing horses after 30 years, and so now I'm just focusing on the, the smith work and the knife work. Awesome. So where can people... Uh get a hold of you and see your work well right now i'm only on facebook uh, buccaneer forge is uh is my business name and that's on facebook um, i don't have quite a website yet because that's just another thing i have to learn how to do <laughs> i got you <laughs> well thank you scott all righty you have a good one all right so i am sitting with mr dan gerard so dan now where are you from i'm from buffalo gap texas little town just outside of abilene texas okay Oh, and what kind of knives you make? Uh, mostly everyday carry, some small hunters, um, mono steel, Damascus. Just whatever catches my eye, I want to make, I make it. Gotcha. Very cool. So Mike tells me that you're a Navy veteran. I am. I'm a, my wife and I are both Navy veterans. Um, did time in San Diego between the two bushes. So we were in the Persian Gulf most of the time, up and down the Persian Gulf. What did you do in the Navy? I was an electronics technician. 
So oh. I worked on radar systems for the Navy. Okay. Oh, uh, so you were okay. Because uh, I was actually a nuke myself, a okay. uh, submarine guy. Got you. Oh, uh, so you go on any cool deployments? Uh, we did. Or fun uh, ones? Man, fun I, know, ones. I know they're they're only half fun. They're only fun when you go pull into port. When you but. pull into port, yeah. We did a lot of that. We did a Singapore, Bali, Australia. Hit Australia several times, which is a lot of fun. Um, the rest of the time we were in the Persian Gulf. They tell us to go north. We go north. They tell us to go south. We go south. We just did a whole lot of up and down in the Persian Gulf. So that was three deployments. Awesome. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I know you're not prepared for it. What is the funniest story you can think of that comes to mind when you were in the Navy? And there is no limits on this story. It can, we have no. We went to Puerto Vallarta on drug ops. So we went down there um, looking for people smuggling drugs. We, we pulled into Puerto Vallarta, went to a local bar, which was on a hill. It was probably at about a 45 degree angle. Really? And there's about an eight-foot drop from the bar to the sidewalk outside. And one of my buddies on the ship decided that he was going to open a beer and drink a beer. And when he leaned back to drink the beer, he left the building and fell out of the building and was on the ground. And, of course, Shore Patrol came up, took him back to the ship and all that. But he Holy just, Mac- one second he's there, the next second he's gone. Gone? Yeah. Was he okay? Yeah, he was bumped up and bruised, but he was fine. He didn't break nothing? or No, his pride was hurt a lot. Oh, my gosh. Huh, wow. <laughs> so uh, so what got you into making knives? Uh, I've always liked working with metal. One of my previous jobs before the military, I worked for a shipyard building ships, which was a lot of heavy steel. So I was a fabricator there. They'd give us raw steel, tell us to cut pieces, make pieces. So we'd actually make submarines at the place where I was at. Oh, wow. Yeah, awesome. So, so I've always liked working with metal. I've actually incorporated uh, submarine hole shavings into some of my knives before. Okay. So it's got some nickel in it, so it actually shows up. Wonderful. So where can uh, people get a hold of you, see your work? Uh, they can see me on Instagram at uh, Dan Gerard, which is getting ready to change to Gerard Knives. Um, I also have an email for Gerard Knives at yahoo.com. Um, they can email me for anything they want, and I'll try to get everything posted on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down with me. Absolutely. Thanks for interviewing me. Absolutely. All right. So now we are sitting down with Mr. J.W. Randall. Uh, J.W. is actually a fellow Louisiana maker, a uh, little ways away from me here up in Shreveport. So, J.W., uh, what got you into making knives? Well, I've been in the metal industry for 41 years, uh, self-employed in welding and steel fabrication, and uh, 23 years ago, a friend of mine from East Texas uh, introduced me to the American Bladesmith Society, and I went to a hammer in in uh, Washington, Arkansas, and was just really kind of bit by, by the whole knife bug and, and, and hand forging and all that really interested me. And what, what I really like about it is the, the uh, metallurgy aspect of it. It kind of ties to my welding business and all, so that was, that was kind of something that paralleled what I, what I was already doing, you know, and... Uh, just really like the whole science of, of metal and what all you can do with it. And, uh, you know, just took off from there. Had a lot of, uh, of uh, friends that I made along the way that, you know, helped me uh, to be able to do what I'm doing today, you know. So, awesome. Yeah. So what made you stick with knife making? Because obviously in the beginning, it's always such a challenge. Like, 
Yeah, knife making is a challenge. It really is. But, you know, uh, so is the welding business. Oh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you already went. The thing about it, I guess, for me that, that, that helped me was having been self-employed, you know, you're not guaranteed a check next week. So it's up to you to get out, you know, and, and hustle the work and get the work and all that. So just just that that was kind of a it was an easy trip for me into knife making because I first off, I wasn't leaning on knife making completely when I first got started. You know, my welding business was my, my primary business. And uh, so you so use I, knife making for kind of the filler in between jobs and stuff like that? or Yeah, it, it certainly did did do that for me. Uh you know, and, and uh, I, I don't know, I just, uh, it, it's kind of stair-stepped, you know, from there. I guess my plan was from the end, knowing that eventually one day I wouldn't want to work like I was working in the welding business, you know, until I was an older guy. And so I was thinking about retirement years and what I could do, you know, something that I could do that, that directly tied to what I love to do, you know, uh, that wouldn't be as hard on me physically as, you know, it was in the early years in the welding business and all, you know. And so... Uh, good Lord's blessed me, man, to be able to work with my hands and, and uh, uh, you know, just uh, all through my life. You know, the, the plan that, that I kind of had in my head, you know, he's allowed that to come to fruition. And I'm just, I'm grateful for that, you know. It's awesome. Yeah. What did, so you've been making knives how many years? 24 years now. What yep. have you seen that, that is the biggest change from way back then to today? Well, I see, uh, I, I see the attention to detail being pushed today i guess a, a lot a lot more so than than the things were back then more so than, than in the fact that there's more makers out there today than there was you know force and fire can kind of contribute to has, has contributed to that uh, uh over the years and but you know the, the abs and uh and in our rating program that's what that's what it's all about you know is, is the attention to detail and you know, there's no perfect knife made, but that's what we're striving for. We're trying to we're trying to make everything that we do that from this knife to the next knife better than the last. You know, and so that's the thing that, that uh, for me is uh, what what I love the most about it. You know, is it's it's a constant climb. We're you know we're reaching for knowledge and we're surrounding ourselves with people that uh, can help us with that. We all can share with one another, you know, and help one another in in this craft that we love so much. You know, absolutely. So, so, and speaking of Forge and Fire, so you were the international champion of Forge and Fire on season four, episode nineteen. Yep, that's and then right. on top of that, I mean, you you flat cleaned up on the awards out here. You got uh, three, four awards. Yeah, I won. I was blessed to win four awards. Uh, I won the best dagger, and uh, I won the best of show with my dagger, and then I won the best hunter and the best utility. So. Uh, it was a real good show. It really was, you know. But I, I'll tell you something too that that I was really impressed with is the quality of knives on the judging tables. I mean, across across the board, there was a lot of really quality knives out there, you know. And I'm glad to see that because early on, here seven or eight years back, you know, there was a lot of knives flooding the market all of a sudden, and they're just they're just you know really cheap knives and all, you know. And so. Seeing seeing guys that uh, are picking their game up a lot, you know, that are that are that are learning and growing and, and recognizing, you know, that's the whole thing about knife making is learning to be your own worst critic, you know. I mean, really looking over these knives and studying, you know, how to fix those little things and all that 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 basically take you closer to perfection, you know. That's what we're looking for. So. Right. Yeah. Well, you're a maker I've always admired. I've known you the last few years. Oh, uh, I always have you look at my stuff and. 
and you you found out my guard was eight thousands off on one side yeah. or the other. <laughs> yeah. So oh, uh, I'm gonna go home and measure it. And I'm gonna tell you yeah. I'm eight thousand. So it's <laughs> probably gonna be like eight and a half. You're gonna yeah. be pretty close. So you know, my recommendation to anybody, I guess, would be to to really look over your stuff really well. A lot of times when I'm building knives, I might have four or five, six knives going at one time and being in various stages. But when I get them further along, closer to completion. I'll take them in the house at night, you know, when I'm sitting there in a chair just relaxing and all, I'll pull them out of the bag, you know, and, and study them, you know, just really look. I mean, it's amazing how you can look at them hundreds of times in the shop. And when you're away from that shop environment, you're sitting at home and you're fully relaxed and all that, you find things there that you might not otherwise find out in the shop while you're in the heat of battle, so to speak, you know? Absolutely. So, well, I mean, we were talking about that exact thing yesterday. Yep. Oh, yep. You put it down one day, then you look at it again like, oh, how did I not see that before? Yep. So, yep. well, how can uh, people see your work and get a hold of you? Well, they can go to my website, jwrandall.com. They can look at, at me there. And uh, my telephone number is 318-426-4007. Uh, I certainly don't mind uh, giving people uh, some advice or help when they need it, you know, to try to help them over some problems they're having. Uh, I don't know everything there is to know, but I'm glad to share what I do know, you know, and I'm constantly learning just like everybody else is or should be every day. Awesome. Well, one more question. Who is the maker that you think has influenced you the most or that you have learned the most from? Harvey Dean was uh, my intro instructor back in 1998 uh, uh, through the ABS, and he he is absolutely my mentor and and a super close friend of mine. And uh, and I've got many, many more friends. That's one thing about this craft, man, is – the, the quality of people that I've been able to come in contact with and befriend and become lifelong friends with, man, it makes this whole deal so much richer than the dollar dollars that are seen from it. You know? so, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, JW, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Thank yep. you very much. Thank you, Ethan. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. So I'm now sitting down with Mr. Chris Mills. And Chris, why don't you tell me a little bit about your company? Uh, hi, thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, my company is called Ballistic Dummy Lab, and uh, we specialize in making ballistic dummies, believe it or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we make everything in uh, all the way from a body down to a hand. So if you wanted to buy a head, a hand, or, or a foot, you can buy each of those, or if you wanted a full body, if you needed that for some of the testing um, that you're going to do, we sell that as well. Um, some of our bigger customers are the military, um, film and television, of course. Uh, we were on Forged and Fire, NCIS, CSI, Bones. Um, also, we do a lot with the uh, YouTube influencers now. Some of the bigger ones like Grand Thumb and Kentucky Ballistics. Um, they use our items for uh, scientific testing. <laughs> okay. So... You all make the dummies. Uh, yeah, everything's manufactured in-house. So, how how long did it take you to get a good, what you would consider the dummy you have today, the good, solid, most representation of a human body? How long did that take you to get from the beginning to that point? Um, it took a while because it was a side business for a while. Um, my wife and I are both special effects artists in the uh, Hollywood um we, we live in Southern California, so we work in Hollywood. Um, what happened first was uh, 
we were on Deadliest Warrior about 12 years ago, and they needed somebody um, to take over making the ballistics for that show. So uh, I came up with kind of a real rough version of it back then because I had to work really quick. Um, and then it was kind of always a side thing and about until about three years ago. We started to really develop it a lot heavier and get it, uh, get it a lot tighter, so to speak. So it's a lot more scientific now. Wow. More consistent. Is there? Are you all the only ones making these things, or is there anybody else even doing this? Um, there are other people who um, do them out there. Uh, it's. Um, I would say we're the only ones who commercially, you know, market them and and really get out there and do the research. So we definitely have the most mileage out there. You know, twelve years experience and thousands of dummies. So. We definitely uh, know what to do and what not to do with them. And even ourselves, we're constantly developing new products. So. Awesome. Well, so something interesting about this is uh, you've actually made some of the ballistics dummies that have been on Forged and Fire. Uh, yeah, that's correct. The, they came to us in their first season. Oh, yeah, so it was really interesting. Uh, this this small up-and-coming show contacted us in about 2015, 2016. It was Forged and Fire. And they wanted some ballistic dummies, but they were a little nervous about using red blood on uh, network television and whatnot. So, um, if you notice, season one actually has blue blood in the dummies. I remember that, now that you say that, yeah. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun working with them on, uh, on several seasons of the show. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, so our last interview of the day, and absolutely, certainly not least, is Mr. Cowboy Zemanski. All right, and Cowboy, uh, first of all, I got to say thank you for putting on this this event. This has been this is the most fun knife show I go to. In all honesty, it really is. Oh, so you were originally on Forged and Fire, right? I was one of the original thirty-two, season one, episode six. Very cool. So, oh. What made what gave you the idea to start this show? Well, once the show started, people kept coming to the shop, wanted to know about Forge and Fire, meeting all the different guys. And then one year, I'm sitting there talking with my wife, and she says, well, what do you want to do for your birthday this year? And I said, well, there's all these Forge and Fire guys. Texas has more competitors and more champions than any other state. I'm like, they're right here in my backyard. I want to meet these guys. Let's have a knife show and get these guys to come to the shop. I, we can trade knowledge. The public can meet them. We can have fun. And so I was like, I want to put on an event. And so we decided to put on an event for my birthday. First year, we ended up having 18 Forge and Fire guys. Second year, we went to 24 Forge and Fire guys. The next year, we were at 36 Forge and Fire guys. Last year, we were pushing 50 Forge and Fire guys. At one point, before we had to have a couple back out, we were over 66 Forge and Fire guys here for this event. Wow. It's Amazing. awesome. So you just kind of just wild hair almost, it sounds like. Just like, for my birthday, I just want to get everybody together. Then it turned into what it is today. Now it's, it used to be in the back of your shop. It was. At your shop. Now it's grown to the point that you we've been forced to go to the Austin County Fairgrounds. And this is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. We've now grown to second largest knife show in Texas. But a caveat to that is we are one of the largest custom knife shows handcrafted only no factory blades across the country oh wow that's 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 something i like personally exactly there's no you don't get case you don't get spider co buck i mean they're great knives but they're not handcrafted 
and to be hosting one of the largest custom shows is insane. Yeah, well, I mean, I come here for the show for the experience, honestly. That's, like, the, the show is kind of secondary, but, like, just the experience <laughs> of being here is, uh, is what I really enjoy. The show, uh, I said it wrong, the show isn't secondary, but selling knives is secondary to me. Like, sure. the show is what I came for to get together with all the guys and everything. That was a surprising uh, thing to us. When we started creating this show, and I learned it even during Forge and Fire, doing that, standing toe-to-toe against somebody creates a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And that brotherhood, I soon realized, went nationwide. So when I started the Forge and Fire, I was going to, I was, it was Texas Select because I wanted to do Texas. Well, next thing you know, I got all the Oklahoma guys. Then I had Arkansas and Louisiana guys wanting to come in. So that first year, we had five states. We've grown to 20 states represented out here. It keeps just becoming more and more amazing because of the brotherhood. We all want to meet each other. We want to share and teach what we do. And that camaraderie and that sharing of knowledge, that embracing of that skill is an amazing thing to sit down and work with somebody on. Absolutely. So so who are your sponsors for this show, Cowboy? So we got Paragon Industries that are sponsoring us. We've got Jance. We've got Texas Knife Makers Guild. We got Ballistic Dummies. We've got lots of local sponsorships and things like that. It's um, really a town and community supported event and really a lot of fun. Awesome. And what is your vision for the show going forward? You know, I think I'm along for the ride at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't really know where it's going to go. Every year it kind of changes. Um, I think this is really a turning point year. This was the first year to move all indoors to such a big venue. Um, it tripled in size from last year. So it's it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Um, I think that we have so much potential to grow here. And once word gets out and we start getting some of the higher end custom makers to come in, that we will quickly exceed and be the largest custom life show in the nation. And so I'd, I'd love to just see it keep growing, but I don't want it to lose the brotherhood and camaraderie, the fun that we get to have, going to dinner after the events, doing things together, helping each other to grow and build better pieces. That's really what I want it to be and to have the crowds interact with it. I just want it to grow and be more fun. Absolutely. So uh, one last question. Sure. Where did the name Cowboy come from? <laughs> cowboy has been around for almost 35 years. Um, it's been given to me at least three times in my life before I finally adopted the moniker. Um, it's pretty much a long story. I grew up in wearing cowboy boots and things like that. Went to a rich preppy school. They all wanted to make fun of the, what looked like a poor cowboy. <laughs> but I've been fighting my entire life, martial arts, things like that. So... After beating a few of the guys, I next thing you know, the girls are calling me cowboy. Huh. Then I went to high school, and long story short, I had to rust, wrestle a steer that got loose in the middle of a show with you know eight to ten thousand people, and so a little buck thirty, buck forty high school kid wrestles a fifteen hundred pound steer and walks him in where nobody else could catch him. The rest of the school started calling me cowboy, and then I went pro athlete. Showed up in rodeo buckles, cowboy boots, cowboy hat. Obviously, they're going to give me a nickname, and next thing you know, I'm cowboy. That's the abbreviated versions. Wow, that's 
That's inter- That's interesting. I've always wondered that. I've always wanted to ask you, but I never did till now. No problem. Well, uh, well, Cowboy, uh, you and Eileen, I can't thank you enough for your hospitality. This event's a, a ton of fun, and I look forward to coming here year after year, and I know many other makers here do, do as well. So thank you very much. This, is, this event has been absolutely great. Thank you, Ethan. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to say that concludes our episode today. Those interviews were a lot of fun. We plan on doing this again at more knife shows, so look for us there. We'll see you later.